my favorite is just silence with the Lord. Um, occasionally I'll journal during my holy hour as well and just sort of take note of those um, those words that I'm getting from him, those words of consolation, of um, encouragement. Um, but yeah, just that time of silence with him, of just getting to be with him and just know that you know, whatever's whatever's burdening me, whatever's stressing me out, he's bigger than all of that, and he's he's got me, um, and he's prepared me to respond to what he wants me to do, which I could never do on my own. Welcome to the I Am Here podcast, a space to be inspired by stories of men and women who have found in the Eucharist the strength and purpose for their lives. I'm your co-host, Leah Butalid, and I've been gathering stories for IamHere.org. And I'm Father Mario Almori, a priest of the Archdiocese of Detroit, and today we welcome Ryan Farragan to share his story. Thanks so much for having me. It's We're good to so be here. We're so glad to have you. Yes, excited to dive into your story. Ryan, where are you from? So I am from a small town called Perry. Uh, it's within um, the Diocese of Lansing, which is where I'm studying. I'm in seminary for the diocese right now. Um, but it's up in the in the Lansing area. Um, that's where I'm from. Wonderful. Ryan, you have the uh, privilege to be the first seminarian guest here on the I Am Here podcast. So, Is that so? Yes. <laughs> okay. So uh, tell us a little bit about life as a seminarian. Well, um, let's see. A typical day at the seminary, um, we're up pretty early in the morning. Um, uh, we have an optional holy hour in the morning, morning prayer and mass starting at 7.10 in the morning. Um, classes begin at 9 o'clock in the morning, and then um, uh, guys will have different things that they're doing throughout the day afterwards. Um, we gather together for evening prayer in the chapel at 5.15, or excuse me, 5.10 it is now. Um, and um, then some guys have class in the evenings, some guys get homework done in the evenings, that's a typical day at the seminary. Mm-hmm. How long have you been in the seminary? I've been in the seminary since fall of 2020. Um, so that's already over three years at this point, which is kind of staggering to think about. Uh, but um, yep, it's it's been just over three years. Awesome. Awesome. Well, we're glad you're here today to, to share your story with us and to, to share your faith and your life uh, and what has brought you to this point to really... Uh, choose to dedicate your life to the service of the Lord and His Church. Well, thank you. Yeah, yeah. So I'd love to kind of go all the way back to the beginning. Um, tell us about your faith life growing up. What was life faith like for you as a young person? So I would say that um, when I was growing up, I had kind of an intellectual-only grasp on the tenets of our faith. And um, I actually remember uh, back when I received my first communion, um, the priest kind of made his homily like a dialogue style. <laughs> and so he he asked all of us, seven or eight-year-olds receiving first communion, um, he was asking us questions throughout the homily, and he asked, what is Holy Communion? And um, I raised my hand and I said, it's the body and blood of Jesus. And he said, that's absolutely right. Um, yeah, I've kind of laughed at myself thinking, oh, <laughs> I kind of had a handle on that yeah. when I was younger, but um, yeah, so I had an intellectual knowledge of of the teaching on the Eucharist and um, also like just the creed. I was kind of proud of myself when I memorized it when I was probably 11 or 12 or something like that. 
Um, but I would say that I didn't have like a relationship with the Lord. I didn't know what the best way was to pray, to Mm -hmm. relate what it was that I was experiencing in my own life to him. Um, Yeah, that part of it was kind of underdeveloped and it was more strictly speaking intellectual. Yeah, where did that intellectual knowledge come from? Was that uh, through your family or friends, catechesis at the parish you were at? Okay. Yeah, yeah, so it was primarily, um, God bless my parents, they made sure that um, I they made sure that I was in religious education starting in first grade. And so um, uh, I went to religious education during the week. Uh, I think it was Wednesday nights um, later in the evening. Um, And I was in uh, religious education at my parish for um, 11 years, really, from first grade all the way through high school. And so that's really how that intellectual um, knowledge of the faith came in. Um, So I realize looking back on it now that I had I did have a lot of information about the faith. So how did how did your not only understanding of the Eucharist but your relationship with the Lord grow from this time you know when you answered that question to Father on the day of your first communion Hmm. um, and then I mean even even to today to being now a man uh, again who has uh, fallen so in love with the Eucharist and the church uh, that you are uh, discerning the service to the priesthood. Um, mm-hmm. Just talk about those steps along the way. Yeah, I would say that probably the biggest um, the biggest moment of impact uh, came when I was 17 years old. I I remember that that year I was um, I was thinking about what I was going to do in terms of going to Mass during Holy Week. Uh, when I turned 16, I, I got a job, and um, I had to work on Good Friday that year. And previous to this year, uh, my family typically went to church on Good Friday for the Passion Liturgy, and again on Easter Sunday, and that was the extent uh, to which we, we went to church during Holy Week. Uh, but since I had to work on Good Friday on this particular year, I decided I wanted to go on Holy Thursday because, well, I I knew I needed to do something for Holy Week. Um, But when I got to the Holy Thursday Mass of the Lord's Supper, um, it it was a really, really powerful experience, even just starting at the beginning of the Mass with... um, uh, you could smell the incense in the air. You knew that this was a really holy time. And kind of as the Mass unfolded, um, I was connecting dots, so to speak, in terms of Jesus's life um, with the reading from Exodus on um, uh, the institution of Passover. Um, it was kind of an immediate connection. I'm like, who's who's the spotless lamb without blemish? I'm like, that's Jesus. And I was kind of making these these connections right there and saying like, oh, this Jesus was foreshadowed right here. And going from there into um, the responsorial psalm kind of tied that in. Our blessing cup is a communion with the blood of Christ. Um, yeah, it was it was kind of confirming what was going through my mind during that first reading. And then in the second reading, St. Paul talks about how he received from the Lord, which he is handing on to the church in Corinth, 
about Jesus's institution of the Eucharist at the Last Supper. Um, and my heart was just moved by the divine wisdom that he has in giving us this way of coming into contact with him in the Eucharist, but also like this time hearing those words, it was it was an encounter with his love. Like he did this all out of love. Like there was no other prime motivator behind why he gave us this gift rather than his love. But then um, in the gospel, uh, it wasn't the gospel passage I was expecting to hear on Holy Thursday. I was expecting to hear an actual like institution narrative mm-hmm. in the in the synoptic gospels, but instead I. It was John chapter 13 when Jesus washes the feet of his disciples. And I don't know, it was like, it was one of those like scales falling out of your eyes moments where I realized like this is, this is the heart of the priesthood right here is like Jesus is giving his disciples this example of service of like humbling yourself, bowing low and serving your brothers in the most intimate way. And he says, I've given you an example so that just as I have done for you, you should also do. And it was kind of like, it really resonated with me. I was like, wow, like that's, that's the heart of the priesthood. That's, that's amazing. I've never thought of the priesthood that way before. So I was kind of in awe after um, realizing that, you know, by washing his disciples' feet, Jesus instituted the priesthood right then and there, right before he suffered. Um, yeah, and as the mass progressed, you know, I was I had this like hyper awareness of Jesus's love behind the institution of the Eucharist and the institution of the priesthood. This realization of his love, which had never really permeated into my heart before. Like I had an intellectual knowledge of it, like I mentioned, but. I didn't realize that he had all of us who would ever live in mind when he did all of this. He wanted all of us to come into contact with him, not only by receiving his body and blood, but he wanted it to be perpetual. He wanted there to be ministers living in the world through whom he would act. And I was just like in awe with with all of that. Like, this is how much our Lord loves us. And, and again, like I said, this was my first time at the Mass of the Lord's Supper. So this was all brand new to me. And um, as the Mass went on, it was a relatively um, normal Mass, uh, with the exception of when you get to the end. So after I had received communion, um, I went back to my pew and I noticed that something was not quite like it would be at a usual mass like um the eucharist is on the altar the priest or in this case bishop boyer he was putting a um he was taking off his chasuble and putting a cope on him like what's he doing and then this big procession forms and it's you know the procession of the eucharist to the altar of repose um and again this was starting to connect dots in my head as well in terms of like oh this is this is like the first step of the Triduum because I remembered always coming into 
into the church on Good Friday and the tabernacle would be empty. Mm -hmm. The whole church would be bare. But it's like, this is, this is what leads up to Good Friday. Like we're taking the Eucharist out of the church because Jesus is getting ready to go and suffer for us. Mm -hmm. So we, we journeyed with him um, on that procession over to the altar of repose, which in the cathedral's case was in the parish hall. Um, again, I was just like overwhelmed with the Lord's love as we sang um, Hail Our Savior's Glorious Body as we processed over there. Um, once we got to the altar of repose, I knelt there and prayed in silence for about 20 minutes or something like that. I kind of lost track of time. Um, but as we were processing over there and once we were there, I kept looking at um, the bishop and the other priests who were celebrating the Mass or con-celebrating the Mass, and I just noticed all of the joy that they had. Um, and it was contagious. It was like, oh, they get to participate so intimately in Jesus's work of love for all of us. They, they get to be the instruments through which he acts. And I just was perplexed by how beautiful that was and, and how it was resonating within me. And after I left, um, after I left um, the place where I was praying and started walking back to my car in silence, um, I remember sitting down in my car and I was thinking about, I was thinking about the priests and their joy and I don't know if it was the Lord's voice or whatever it was, but I remember just thinking clearly as could be, you could do that one day. And I know it was from the Lord because immediately afterward, after, after that thought occurred to me, it was followed up by the most intense experience of joy that I've ever experienced in my life. Um, and it's something that I go back to in prayer constantly. Um, but I knew in that moment that the Lord was speaking to me and that he was inviting me into this life. And once, once that happened, I kind of didn't know how to respond to it. Um, and I wouldn't end up responding to it by like exploring priesthood further until a number of years later. Um, this was all when I was 17, when I had this encounter with the Lord. Um, but seminary, um, I didn't start thinking about that more seriously until I was probably about 20. It took mm -hmm. a little while. It's fascinating to me, um, just as, as Lee and I have the opportunity to, to listen to so many people's stories, just how the Lord um, just uses just the circumstances of our lives to uh, just reveal himself in in extraordinary ways. You know, just the fact that you had to to work on Good Friday, and so you went to mm -hmm. Mass on Holy Thursday, and and just had this experience of beauty. Um, uh, it is the the liturgy of Holy Thursday is is one of the most beautiful liturgies um, of the entire year. And um, yeah, I, I I pray that you have just that that opportunity to be able mm -hmm. to. To celebrate those mysteries and to to experience that that same joy, um, it's one of the things I look forward to the most, actually. <laughs> yeah, yeah, um, and just just praise God for uh, your yes to to recognize that there's 
there's something different about those days as we celebrate, you know, the, the, the Paschal mystery um, and re- responding to that just call uh, in those days to, uh, to enter into them mm-hmm. and to experience that grace. Yeah. So this is an incredibly profound experience. It happens when you're 17 years old. And I'm curious to know, um, what were some of the immediate responses for you? You said seminary was a few years down the line. So, mm-hmm. so what changed immediately after this profound experience of the love of Jesus? Well, like I said, at the time, I had no idea what to do next. I... Um, I knew that the Lord was calling me to grow into deeper relationship with him just because he had just manifested his love in a way that I never expected. Um, but in the in the immediate aftermath, um, just because I didn't really know what to do next, um, there was not a whole lot of like change in what I was thinking in terms of like, what am I going to do um, now that this has happened? I know um, one of my big loves um, has always been science. Um, that was my probably my favorite subject when I was uh, back in high school. And um, I knew that, you know, I might, that might be what I'm supposed to do. Um, at, at that point in my life, I was thinking that's, that might be what I'm supposed to do. I might, um, I'd always wanted to be a doctor. Uh, that was that was my career that I was looking at at the time. Um, and so, like, when the time came to go to college after I was graduating from high school, um, I went to Michigan State University, and I decided to major in human biology with, with an intent of going on to medical school and pursuing... Uh, becoming a doctor of some sort. I thought about being, I think the one I thought about the most strongly was being an ophthalmologist, an eye surgeon. Um, I knew that that came with four years of undergrad, four years of uh, medical school, plus a residency after that. Um, Yeah, I was basically, I didn't know how to respond to the Lord or even that, you know, the response that my heart could have had was, ask him in prayer, what do you want me to do? Um, but the Lord definitely wasn't um, <laughs> wasn't done speaking to me yet. Um, once I got to Michigan State and kind of got on my own for a little while, um, I, had, uh, I had a number of other experiences that, that the Lord was really using to deepen my faith. Um, I hadn't been to um, I hadn't been to confession in a long time, and actually, it was through um, my roommate that I had freshman year in college, who also turned out to be a Catholic. We didn't know that at the time. We decided to um, be roommates that year, but um, he wasn't from the Lansing area, and I was. And there was one time where he asked me. Um, is there a place in the area where I could go to confession on Saturday afternoon? And I said, yeah, the cathedral has confessions on Saturday. And he says, would you take me over there? And I said, yeah, I'll do that. That was like Monday or something like that during the week. And it was on Saturday. Um, 
the rest of the week, the Lord kind of, he knew what he was doing. Um, w- once I got to Saturday morning, the thought was kind of inescapable, like, oh, maybe, I mean, I haven't been in years. Um, maybe it would be good for me to to go. And so um, I, I knew just intellectually that one of the things that you do when you're going to confession is you do an examination of conscience. I knew that from when I received my first confession or when I um, did my first confession when I was seven. Um, and <laughs> after I went through that, um, I started writing down things that I knew I needed to confess, things that I didn't even know were sins, other things that I had recalled that I had done, but it ended up being like, oh, I don't know, something like three sheets of stuff that I needed to confess. And I remember after I laid it all before the Lord in the confessional, I walked out of there and it was almost like a physical sensation. I, It was like my body felt physically lighter after, after I confessed and it was it was an it was another deepening of my relationship with the Lord because he was showing me that his mercy is real and that my sins are gone um, really what he was doing was showing me through all of that that he wants me to be in relationship with him and he wants me to continually go to him with my fears, with my questions about what I'm to do with my life. And my time in college was really just that, I mean, through um, that moment of going to confession, that was kind of a catalyst for continuing to think about, okay, what can I do to deepen my own relationship with the Lord? So um, what I actually discovered at the student parish at Michigan State um, my sophomore year, they had added, uh, or sorry, they changed the mass schedule. And so I was able to go during the week. Um, and they also added in an hour of, um, confessions and adoration of the blessed sacrament before, before mass. And, um, I worked like a block away from the student parish over there. And so anytime that I was going to mass and was coordinating it with my work schedule, I was often able to get over there a little bit early and actually catch the tail end of adoration and just have those few moments of silence with the Lord, um, which um, in hindsight, I can see how he was using all of that. Um, but really, it was during my sophomore year that I was looking at this track that my life was on towards medical school and becoming a doctor. And I was really realizing that that wasn't going to make me happy. That wasn't going to, you know, bring this fulfillment that I was looking for, bring this meaning to my life. It wasn't going to show me my true purpose for which God created me. And it was in prayer a few times where just I would remember this encounter when I was 17 with Jesus in the Eucharist and this encounter with his, his true love for me and just this idea of, or this overwhelming joy that I experienced at the thought of being a priest. 
And I'm like, okay, I think I need to consider this a little bit more seriously. And it was actually around that time that um, a priest whom I know and love and respect very dearly, um, he actually came up to me, uh, I think it was on Father's Day after my sophomore year, where he actually asked me, um, you ever thought about being a priest? And that was another thing that the Lord was just using to show me where he wanted to go. Um, I met with him after he asked me that, and I said, yeah, Father, I actually have thought about being a priest. Um, been thinking about it a lot more than usual lately. <laughs> um, but, you know, one thing led to another. He put me in contact with the vocations office, um, and that led to, I did a long weekend, they call them discernment weekends here at Sacred Heart. And when I was here, I basically fell in love with the place. I knew after being here, I really felt at home here. And that, you know, it was kind of a piece, kind of a piece of that joy that the Lord had given me when I was 17. Kind of just thinking like, if I'm following after the joy that he has for me. It seems like this is the next step on that path. And yeah, that, that visit was integral for me. It led me to say, okay, I think after college, I want to apply to the seminary. And um, that's, that's what I ended up doing in my senior year of Michigan State. I ended up applying. It was right before COVID. And so there was no like delay with the lockdowns or anything <laughs> like that. was able to get all my interviews done before that, and I came here in fall of 2020. Wow. So many men, and just my own experience as well, you know, as you said, uh, when you visited here, there was just a sense of feeling like you were at home. Mm -hmm. um, and I think it's, it is uh, so much centered around the priority that's placed upon um, just our time with the Lord and the Blessed Sacrament that you experience on the discernment weekend and that we experience uh, just here in the seminary. Um, it's that that peace, it's that that joy that, that we experience. Um, and I think about the quote from uh, Blessed Solanus, you know, what does it matter where we go? Wherever we go, won't we have the Holy Eucharist, the Lord there with us in the Holy Eucharist? And mm -hmm. isn't that enough to make us happy? Um, and I, I just think about that so often just in my own life as, as a priest now. You know, there, there are so many things um, that kind of demand our attention and, and uh, different places that, we're go, that we go and that we're called to minister. And yet um, what we are formed in, in the seminary is that uh, reliance upon uh, our prayer with the Lord in the Blessed Sacrament because that that is the constant that has to be the constant uh, in our life because that's where uh, in the midst of the the craziness that can be part of our life as a priest um, in the midst of um, the joys and the disappointments as well that uh, our our identity is found and our happiness is found uh, in front of the Lord in mm -hmm. the Blessed Sacrament um, because he promises uh, that he'll always be found there and that is where that is where our, our sustenance and, and our nourishment comes from. Mm, amen. That's very, very, very much the case. <laughs> yeah, so as you've kind of uh, 
progressed through seminary and grown in this dependence on the Lord, especially in the Eucharist. Um, I, I'd love to hear a little bit about what, um, how, how you spend time with Jesus in the Eucharist in your day-to-day. I know you mentioned a little bit as you kind of mm-hmm. did the typical day in the life, but, um, but what does that time look like for you, and what does it mean for you to be able to spend um, time throughout your day, throughout your week with Jesus in the Eucharist? Yeah. Um, so earlier, um, one of the things that I didn't mention in the day-to-day of the seminary life here is we actually have um, two hours out of our day every every day of the week. Um, we have Eucharistic adoration. We have it from 6 a.m. to 7 a.m. and again from 4 to 5 p.m. And each of us in the seminary makes a holy hour in front of the Blessed Sacrament every day. And... Um, that was actually one of the um, one of the easiest parts of transition to seminary, but it's also like it's so integral to my day now at the mm-hmm. seminary. Um, yeah, it, it's just, and I've grown in my ability to relate to the Lord um, just from spending an hour a day with Him. Um, I've done a number of. Uh, silent retreats as well since I've been here at the seminary where you know just that that time with him gets multiplied and it's just you and him for an extended period of time but it's like you come to realize that you need that time with him and I need that time with him um I love my holy hour every day just being able to talk honestly with the Lord about what's going on what's burdening me, what's stressing me out, and just letting him calm my fears. Um, Because that's really what he was at work doing in me before seminary, preparing me to respond to the call that he was about ready to give me. And really, that's what he's continued to do um, in my relationship with him in the Eucharist ever since I've been in seminary. We're, We're pretty blessed here at the seminary to have two hours of adoration every day, and we have three chapels in the seminary with Jesus in the tabernacle. So The dream. Mm-hmm. That's awesome. <laughs> That's so good. Practically, how do you spend that time? Um, we've talked to so many people about how they spend their time before Jesus in the Eucharist, and I know there are tons of different approaches. I'd mm-hmm. love to know what yours is. Well, yeah, like you mentioned, there's a lot of, there's a lot of different, um, different things that guys like to do during their holy hour, whether it's reading scripture, praying the rosary, um, spiritual reading. My favorite is just silence with the Lord. Um, Occasionally I'll journal during my holy hour as well and just sort of take note of those those words that I'm getting from him, those words of consolation, of um, encouragement. Um, But yeah, just that time of silence with him, of just getting to be with him, and just know that, you know, whatever's whatever's burdening me, whatever's stressing me out, he's bigger than all of that, and he's he's got me, mm. um, and he's prepared me to respond to what he wants me to do, which I could never do on my own. Mm-hmm. Ryan, you say in your story, intellectual knowledge can only get you so far in relationship with the Lord. There needs to be an experiential dimension to that relationship. So I think for, for many people, um, you know, perhaps they've not had the 
the opportunity or the experience to get past that um, kind of your your own kind of second grade mentality, like like the intellectual, um, and and for whatever reason, uh, the experiential is is more difficult to um, just to grasp. So, what encouragement would you have for those who? who say like, yeah, I know, I know what the church teaches, body, blood, soul, and divinity of Jesus present in the Eucharist, but um, don't feel like they've ever really had that profound encounter with him. Mm -hmm. Yeah, I think the advice I would give to that, um, to the person who's experiencing that, is to look and see um, at the parishes around you when Eucharistic adoration is happening. And once you find out, I would say go. Mm. Um, if you're in front of Jesus and, you know, just embracing that silence, he longs to speak to you and he will speak to you if you put yourself before him with, with an open heart, um, just with a heart that's ready to receive him, with a heart that cries out to him. Um, if you approach him, uh, the scripture says, "If you draw near, to, if you draw near to him, he will draw near to you." Hmm. Beautiful. Awesome advice. Thank you so much, Ryan, for for joining us and for sharing your story again, and um, and just giving God glory for what He's done in your life. It's such a gift. Absolutely. Thanks so much for having me. It's been a blessing to be here. Absolutely. Thank you for listening to the I Am Here podcast. You can read and listen to more stories of people encountering Jesus in the Eucharist at IamHere.org. And we also invite you to share your story with us. I Am Here is a campaign by the Archdiocese of Detroit and Hallow App in support of the National Eucharistic Revival.